Welcome to Grief Matters, a podcast where we talk about matters related to grief and why grief matters. Episode one, Grief and the Holidays. So I'd like to welcome my friend, Maria Callahan. She is a singer-songwriter here in Nashville, and she was gracious enough to be my first guest because one thing that I know about her is, one, she's amazing, but also that she has a very substantial grief history that she has really impressively integrated into her life. In the grief community, we talk about integrating our grief and making meaning of it so that we can move on with our lives, not letting go of those we love, but moving forward without them. So welcome, Maria. Hello. Thank it's good. you for having me. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of feeling around for the flow with this. Like I said, it's our first ever. So I'm going to start with just asking Maria to open up what she's really good at doing about her grief story and just start wherever you like, Maria. Um, I was born in, in rural Oregon, kind of isolated out in the country and to two parents who were both orphans. And so early on, I... Uh, was really not exposed to um, funerals or talking about death or anything like that. I think for both of my parents, they just kind of stuffed that down and stopped talking about it. So um, at the age of 19, my uh, a friend of mine shot herself in the head when I was talking to her on the phone, and I had absolutely no context for that because I had never even been to a funeral. Um, and it was followed by a succession of, of other uh, important people in my life that passed away. Uh, I had a, a partner pass away in a car accident. Then my mother, my godparents, and my father, or my stepfather, sorry, uh, all within a pretty brief amount of time. By the time I was 32, I had no family. So That's really hard. And that's something that I'm sure some of the listeners can relate to, but not a lot of people have experienced. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about how you lost your mother and sort of the the grief that came along with that? Yeah, when I lost my mother, I was in a band that was really successful. We were on TV, it was getting some radio play, and the night that she was in a car accident three days after Mother's Day and died 11 days later, she had been in a coma that whole time. Um, and then my, I had found my godfather slumped over the steering wheel of his car. About a year later, he had had a heart attack and died. And then my godmother died. Um, in an assisted living facility that she chose to go to. Uh, she just kind of quit taking her medication and just was kind of, she kind of gave up because mm -hmm. she had lost her best friend and her husband within a year. And then my uh, stepfather died of a heart attack, which he was never really able to uh, get better medically. Um, and his cardiologist at the funeral said that he really felt like my stepfather died of a broken heart. I think that's, I mean, I had a friend that died that way too. It's called broken heart syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's an actual thing, I think, where your hormones change in your blood mm -hmm. vessels or something like that, and you actually, your heart just stops beating. So you've had substantial loss, and you've also had, you know, the topic of this this episode is is grief in the holidays, right? And one thing that stands out to me is that your mom died right before a major very popularized holiday, Mother's Day. And I know when I saw you this Mother's Day, it's been how many years since your mom died? Uh, 2026, 20, mm -hmm. something like that, yeah. And when I saw you this Mother's Day, you were still in it. Um, and so I want to know if you could talk a little bit about, even though you have accepted that your mom is 
past and you still have a relationship with her outside of the confines of Earth. Do you want to talk a little bit about how it's still, even after all these years, something that you have to grapple with around that holiday? Well, I think that you can, certain things can kick you into memories. You know, you can smell something that reminds you of something or see something that reminds you of something else. And um, that holiday, you know, I know is was a holiday. Mother's Day was, was made by Hallmark to sell cards. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, I felt like every day was Mother's Day. I was really close to my mom. I was the youngest of five and had a really tight, was living with her when she passed. Um, that was probably the hardest thing is being in the house and needing to, you know, disperse her things, her leftovers, everything during that time. Um, so I don't know what else to say about that right now. It's okay. This is really hard stuff to talk about. And one of the things I, one of the things I want to get across in this podcast is that even people who have, mm, sort of seasoned grief still have a really hard time putting towards how they feel. And so that if you're out there and you have new grief or seasoned grief, that you're really understanding that this is something that we're doing to give language to these kinds of feelings, you know? Yeah. I was going to say something about giving language to it. You know, at first I had like just this total darkness, black, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. It was awful. And I would occasionally have this day where I'd walk outside and everything was green and beautiful. It was like this sensory overload of happiness would hit me for brief periods. And now with the grief, most of the time I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And I'll have that one day Mm -hmm. where it's all completely dark. And when I saw you on Mother's Day and I did not look, (laughs) I I think I had food all over my shirt. I was just not looking good. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good example of that. But yeah, like creating a language around it was really key because nobody, I don't think anyone innately knows how to speak about grief. It's one of those things that you just need to experience. And I think that was probably the hardest thing is being brave enough to talk to a stranger about something that was so deeply personal that I knew that they could not understand in the same way. Mm. At first you see how... You know, when I was 28 and my mom died, none of my friends had lost parents, so nobody wanted to hang out with me. Mm. And it was a really hard thing socially because no one no one said, hey, how you doing? They because ran I'd be your like, pain. I'd be like, yeah, my mom's in a coma. How are you? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, and you I can't f- say stuff like that, so... It was hard. It's true. That's that's that secondary grief that we talk about sometimes where people, especially not just young people, but I've seen it happen even with adults and people that are seniors, you know, that turn away from their friends when they're suffering because they don't want to grapple with their own mortality. They don't want to grapple with this could happen to any of us at any time where we could lose someone tragically. And so they turn away. So not only are you grieving the person, but you're grieving the isolation, right, of feeling like you had that community. Yeah, I kind of wanted to isolate, though. It was a weird thing. It's almost like I didn't want to be snapped out of it. I recognized Mm. that this was part of the deal. This was part of a relationship. And that even though my mom had passed, I still had a relationship with her that I needed to honor. And I still feel that way. And sometimes I would get resentful because people would be like, hey, cheer up. Hey, let's do something fun, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm in mourning. This is extremely important to me. And I, I want this. I want this part of the relationship. 
That's beautiful. I mean, I think that's a testament to your strength. And when I say strength, I don't mean the strength that people talk about at funerals that's dismissive, where they're like, oh, you're so strong, you're happy. You know, the strength of actually leaning into the feelings and leaning into the pain and honoring that loss. I don't even think of it as strength. I think of it as presence, of staying present. That's... You know, when my mom passed away, I was drinking and doing all kinds of other things, mm -hmm. and I made a commitment to myself and to her to abstain from any use of alcohol or drugs for a year, and I did. Because I just, I knew that what I was going through could be made so much worse by putting it off, you know, <laughs> by, by putting that process off. And so I'm really uh, grateful that I had uh, whatever it was told me. Um, it was just a sense. It was just like this sense of, yeah, you better stay present and see what you're supposed to see. That's and feel beautiful. what you're supposed to feel, mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of what happened there. That's awesome. That's really impressive. I mean, that is impressive because not everybody can sit in that. Not everybody can do it. And um, just to kind of move towards sort of that holiday topic that I promised people we would discuss. You know, we're coming into these very uh, pressury holidays this time of year. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could talk about the holidays during early grief and the holidays now, uh, because yours is specific to not having your, your birth family, right? And maybe talk a little bit about what people did and said that was helpful and what people did and said that was not helpful during those times <clears throat> during the early the early part um she died in may my mom died in may my stepfather died in august um i would say that by christmas time it had been a few months I had a friend just come and stay with me for a week and make food for me. Uh, I honestly don't even remember because I was so checked out. But the thing that I loved about her is her mom, you know what was really weird is when I, and very early in this process, the friends that came to me were ones who had lost their parents as well. And they got it and they didn't try to challenge me and they didn't push me and they didn't ask me if I wanted to have, you know, a holiday dinner with them. Mm -hmm. They didn't even bring it up. And I was so grateful for that, you know, in the beginning. Uh, it was nice. Like I said, I, I didn't want to be snapped out of it. And I still don't want to be snapped out of it when I'm in a funk. Um, that's still, I still have a relationship, you know, with, with all of my ancestors and, um, you know, even the recently passed. And so for now, for the holidays, the cool thing is I, I guess I just see it as some time off <laughs> and some time away from work. Or maybe some extra money because I can work on the holiday. And the cool thing is, is I get to be around other people and ask them about what they're doing and kind of live vicariously without the direct dysfunction, which is kind of nice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like you were saying before we started, your chosen family. My chosen family, yes. And those people, like you said earlier, that you can talk to about your feelings if you're sad. Yes. That's important, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so what tips do you have for people who maybe are just lost someone in the very recent months and are feeling pressure to sort of act as if and act um, accordingly to what everyone outside of them wants? And do you have any tips for them? Yeah, I mean, I, the thing that I remember is this like tremendous feeling of disassociation. Like I would feel like I was putting on a face to go outside. I was acting in a movie, and I would sometimes pretend that I was in a movie just to get through whatever it was I was trying to do. 
it's actually that makes sense. so yeah if you don't like who you are be somebody else that was kind of what I did, which is kind of weird <laughs> because it was really I didn't want to have a really deep conversation with intimate strangers who were going to screw up the conversation there was nowhere for them to go with that conversation they were going to lose that conversation it would have gone right. badly mm-hmm. so the thing for me to do was not engage because my feelings are my business Mm-hmm. That's something that's taken me a really long time to understand. Um, I, I think, like in the very early days, something that I did was avoid malls and I avoided TV, mm-hmm. where they just have, you know, the I don't know what I want to call it, just the whole a mock. We're all having a great time when I know in reality Uncle Fred is arguing with Uncle Bob, and then somebody's having an affair with someone else, or there's some dysfunction, somebody has a substance abuse issue in the family. It's kind of like this whole emphasis on like talking about only the great things in life. There's something so contrived about the holidays. And the fortunate thing for me is I've always felt that way, so I don't have mm-hmm. a ton of sentimentality about it. But I also do not watch television. Okay. And I feel like that would absolutely poison me if I watched main, mainstream television. It's a good time. I would think there was this life I was supposed to be having mm. that no one was having. Right. It's not real. Yeah, and it's that's not a, real. Even if you're not grieving the loss of someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good tip for anybody. Mm-hmm. All the time. Just shut the TV off. <laughs> Don't go to the mall. The mall Read is awful. The mall is like, just like models of bad behavior, like... Kids abusing their parents, parents being snappy with their kids, and just, like, talk about family dynamics. I mean, the mall, I don't like the mall anyway, but just, it's just the worst place to go. Just buy buy online. I hate to say it, but just buy something online. Yeah, if you're sad. I mean, that makes sense. And what about, do you have any um, tips for people who love people who are grieving that feel helpless and, and maybe tempted to turn away but don't want to but don't know what to say or do? Say that one more time. So do you have any tips for people who love those who are grieving? May have someone in their life that they love or care for that's grieving, and they may feel tempted to turn away because they don't know what to say or do. Do you have tips for them and how to help? Yeah. Take them some food. Do something practical for them because Mm -hmm. the practical things get lost. Buy them some soap or some shampoo (laughs) or maybe some socks because they probably don't have socks or they have socks that are in disrepair. Because they're falling apart. Do something practical for Mm -hmm. them. And quit thinking that you're going to cheer them up because they're not going to cheer up, it's nor really, should they cheer up. That's really powerful. That's their business. Yeah. They're not going to cheer up, nor should they cheer up. And if you're out there grieving, you don't have to cheer up to make other people more comfortable. Your pain is your pain, and you're entitled to feel it. Yeah. So, so think about it as if you were like, had lost everything. What would you want? Right. Because they have lost everything. What would you want? You'd want a blanket? You might want a soft place to lay down. You might yeah. want food. You might want socks. You might want a coat. Basic needs. Basic needs. Okay, so That's the basic really... needs are going to get neglected if somebody is going through something like that. You can't help it. That's that's really an instrument. Really if they play guitar and they don't have one, get them a guitar. That's get them a good guitar. Don't get them a bad guitar. <laughs> get them a just even if you straight to Nashville. Just, just take <laughs> take them an instrument. Take them a journal. Journaling is yes. great. I mean, just to get up and do a stream of consciousness writing for three or four minutes, which is a practice that I do about nothing. It can be about anything. It's so important to do that, and it helps you start to create that language that you need to learn in order to be helpful to other people around that's, this sort of stuff. That's really, really I'm proud stuff. that I get to step up for other people now who have aging parents mm-hmm. that are dying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so grateful for that. That's something you've used and turned around to help others. Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's really awesome. Well, I guess, is there anything else related to grief that you feel? Because I'm learning too, right? I do this professionally, but I feel like I can always learn more. So is there anything related to grief that we haven't touched on yet that you think is just super important for people to hear or to know based on your experiences? You know, the, the thing that I think about is uh, that you have, when somebody passes, you still have a relationship with them. I used mm -hmm. to think of death as this final thing. And, you know, I kind of think of it as, you know, dad got a job on another planet. He's gone. He's, he took off, you know, but he's still out there somewhere. Yeah. And whether yeah. it's in my psyche, you know, or I'm believing in Santa Claus or whatever else, I choose to believe that I still have a relationship with them. And, um, I get to, sometimes I, I think if I get down about stuff, I think, would my mom really want me sitting here in a dark room with food all over my shirt and no socks on? No, right. she would not want that, mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes I do have to say, what would my mom want me to do? What would my dad want me to do? Mm -hmm. You know? And, um, it was interesting. The person that committed suicide when I was 19 had been sober and relapsed. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for me. There were several years where I went to her grave and took coins, mm -hmm. stuck them in the, in the cemetery right next to her headstone. Mm -hmm. I know they're all still there. She's buried in a really beautiful place in Oregon. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, like, I knew that she would want me to be sober, mm -hmm. you know. And so that person lives on, you know. And the gift you give them by staying sober. Well, by staying yourself. present. Again, staying we get present. back to staying present. Staying present. Yeah. That's for whatever. And and I yeah, and just to be able to stay present for your grief, to stay present for others, to stay present for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I so really welcome. appreciate your vulnerability. Um, you know, having the emotions present here today and for helping us all learn more about your experience with grief, but also some things that can help others through the holidays. There's this saying that kept coming up again and again. It came up when my mom died and then it came up again when my dad died and then my biological father died actually three years ago on December 7th. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this Taoist saying that I kept finding everywhere that said, my barns burned to the ground. I can now see the moon. Ah. <sighs> I and it's just that. one of the most beautiful, and I think about it a lot. I think, okay, I'm not looking at this one thing anymore. What do I see now? You know, I love that. so I think about that proverb a lot. It's I don't even it's I, I think it's Chinese. No one knows where it came from exactly, but it's been really valuable for me to think about that. Thank you so much. What mm -hmm. a beautiful ending for this. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen to our very first episode of Grief Matters, where we talk about matters related to grief and why talking about grief matters. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes that will include topics such as the grief of losing one's physical capacity due to a disability, grief of losing those to um, addictions, the grief of not living up to one's potential, the grief of losing a child, and there are many, many more coming. Have a wonderful day, and we will be back soon talking about grief.